Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vodacy Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm super excited today to introduce you guys. We're going to have a great interview with one of our members, Jeff Chisholm, but also one of the leading experts in financing short-term vacation rentals. And so we're going to have a, have a really fun conversation about that with Jeff. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to turn it over to you, ask you a bunch of questions, but Jeff is um, from Frisco, Texas, right? Northern Texas? North Texas. Yeah. More on the Fort Worth side. Fort Worth. So okay. yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. And you've got, uh, you got, you got a little family going there. You got a wife of 25 years and four kids. You've been involved in the foster uh, program. So you've got some foster kids. So you've got, you've got a big family, you know, that, that calls you, uh, calls you family, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, probably one of the best questions I've ever been asked uh, in regards to the foster uh, uh, experience was, you know, why, what, what did you get out of it? And it just more, we, we've had kids of all different races and, um, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds and, and just, yeah, great, great experience for our family, but yeah, definitely one of the hardest things we've ever done. So yeah, I got, got, got a bigger family than what is actually under our roof. Awesome. No, that's awesome. And I know that you, we were just talking before we hit record that you've, you know, you're setting up now a nonprofit to help some of those young men who have kind of aged out of the foster system to help them transition into everyday life and, and, you know, keep those pot, that positive momentum going forward. It sounds really, really exciting and a lot of fun, which is awesome when I hear those stories of people giving back like that. Well, it's, it is uh, an opportunity that, that, you know, was presented to us and a challenge and, and definitely a need. And, and as we talk to more people about it, we, we never in, in this, in this realm of, you know, social workers and, and people that are around these kids, we, we've never gotten the feedback that it's a, a bad idea. So it's kind of the, the opposite, very big need uh, to help those boys that have just aged out of the foster care system. Awesome. No, I think it's great. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear how that uh, how, how the Launchpad Ranch progresses and gets set up and started and, and all all of the above. So that's fun. And then also, and then on the on the everyday life, well, how we pay the bills. You're the you're you're uh, top one percent of the loan originators in the whole U.S. So I mean, that's a that's a big deal. That's a that's a rare rarefied air up there and uh, especially in today's day and age. And uh, so you're and that's really what we'll talk a lot about today. Um, you're with Gateway Mortgage. You can do loans in all 50 states, which is unique to um, to a lot of um, loan officers that I talk to, and being able to have that ability to do that. Oh, almost all 50 states. Oh, almost. So we we have to almost. We we uh, I won't go into details about California. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and if you go to if, yeah yeah if you go to the Vodacy resources where it lists my information, you go to my website ten percent down dot com. Um, you can sh- it'll show you a map of of all the places. But yeah, it's it's ninety five percent of the U.S. Nice. And you really uh, I know you do. Uh, um, these are traditional type financing, regular traditional loans. Um, you guys really focus on kind of second home loans, short-term rental type loans. Um, I know you do a lot of regular residential loans as well. I'm sure in the mix of all that. Yeah, we do. So, you know, we, we do a substantial amount of business. Um, 
and we're pretty diversified. So about 40% of my business has been uh, first-time home buyers, payment assistance loans. Uh, and then, yeah, people that are buying $3 million properties. So we're, we're kind of all, all over the, the spectrum. Awesome. Yeah, good. Well, let's, uh, you know, let's dive in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot some rapid fire questions. We're kind of getting warmed up with the conversation, but I'm going to have you just quickly tell me, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You just tell me your preference on these. So we're going to go mountains or beach? Beach. <laughs> Had to think along a little bit on that one. You like? <laughs> I love them both. I like them both too. Urban or rural? Rural. Netflix or nightclub? Nightclub. I guess Netflix because I don't know what nightclub is. A nightclub. Never been. To oh, a nightclub. Club. Yeah, Netflix all day long. Absolutely, <laughs> especially at forty-eight years old. Yeah, yeah. there you go. We're definitely <laughs> back in the. We're definitely in the Netflix stage for sure. On my yeah. side of life too. Truck or car? Truck. All right. Tea or coffee? Uh, tea. Protein bar or protein shake? Protein shake. Don't like the chalky uh, yeah, aftertaste of the bars. All right. Summer or winter? Summer for sure. Steak or chicken? Gosh. Unfortunately, I have to answer chicken because <laughs> of digestion issues these days. Another you oh, know, man. You old see, age problem. Showing our age here, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> It's a sad situation. Yeah, geez. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Oh, dogs. Yep. All right. Hard book or audible? Hard book. Running shoes or high heels? Hopefully, hopefully not high yeah. heels. Running, <laughs> running shoes or yeah. dress shoes? No comment. Yeah. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Gummy bears or chocolate? Uh, that's another digestion issue. Uh, gummy bears. Right. I prefer chocolate, but yeah. Money or free time? Oh man, I think money buys you free time. So that's a tough one. So the the most important is probably the time, but the money the money can get you there, right? That's right. Yep. Early riser or night owl? Uh, night owl. Awesome. Facebook or Twitter or neither? Uh, Twitter. What? Uh, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Road trip or air travel? Road trip. Okay. Awesome. Cool. What, uh, tell me a little bit about, let's get, let's dive into you guys and what you guys like to do family wise, what you guys enjoy doing and, uh, in the free time. So that, that answer has changed. Okay. So before we bought this first property, we had never been late people. We didn't own a boat. Mm -hmm. Uh, we didn't own, you know, an off road machine. And, uh, once we bought this property, which is, uh, lakefront, we co-own a boat dock with a neighbor. It's got two slips. Uh, we bought the boat uh, that was in the, the slip from the, the seller. So it was a, a 45 horsepower, uh, like 16 foot bass buggy and uh, never driven a boat before. So we get on the water and, and at first we're like, this is amazing. We're, you know, we're out on the open water and, um, about the second trip out, I look at my wife and I'm like, this isn't going to cut it. <laughs> and so we've already upgraded the boat. You know, we've got oh, 150 horsepower, 28 foot tri-tune now. Uh, this community that we bought in has um, has about 90 miles of, of uh, roads that were cut that were never paved. So the, the community, you know, is a solution to 
how to revitalize the the area, they just turn those into off road off road opportunities for yeah. these side by side vehicles. So yeah. then we bought a side by side all within this all happened with about a three month period. So what do we do now? We we go and we get on the boat. We you know ride the side by side all day. Uh, so yeah, we just have tons of fun and my, my younger boys are 11 and, uh, seven. So they're just, I mean, we're oh, all in fun. heaven. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. And you, what is, so what you, you said, it kind of revolves around your short-term rental. What got you guys excited about the short-term rental game? Well, you know, I guess five or six years ago, finally got to a place where we, we, it was more than just the ends meeting. So, you know, we had surplus and, um, you know, we wanted to be wise with what we were going to do with that money. So I, I researched investing in the stock stock market and I decided I wasn't, uh, smart enough or, um, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a gambler and it, it just yeah. felt like gambling to me. And then, you know, mutual funds, long-term funds weren't exciting to me. Um, and then I looked just being in the space of, of doing mortgages, real estate made sense. And I'd seen a lot of success stories and started, uh, exploring, uh, long-term rentals and being a landlord and ran into some roadblocks there. And it just, again, it wasn't, it it didn't feel like it it was going to be my potential passion. And so we had had some experiences in, in, uh, short-term rental, uh, homes and, and, you know, really that was our preferred method of traveling, uh, probably for the past three years. And then, um, just, uh, as my wife and I discussed what retirement looked like, uh, th- this was a, an investment vehicle that, that really made sense. And, and it just had the fun element to it as well. Something that we could do as a family. Yeah. Nice. And that's what, it's funny how many people that I talk to that kind of start getting into this game that kind of get introduced to Odyssey and what we do with, with our stuff is, they think about it when they're using these properties, right? They, they, they start to become users of the short-term rental um, properties in the areas that they like to visit. And they think, and this, I could do this. Right. And, and you're, you hit a, a great point too, is, you know, we evolved past that point of just making ends meet. Right. And so once you start to, you know, it's not just month to month stuff and you're like, okay, now, now we can do some of these other things. We can take advantage of some of these opportunities. Do we just go, do we just go buy the toys? Do we just go buy the boats? Do we try to invest in things that as just strict investments? And that's one thing I love about lifestyle assets is they are, they're good sound investments done correctly, right? And they're not always, you can't just go buy something and throw it up and make money. But for the most part, they can be a really great investment, but they also have that fun element. And, you know, those, you know, we buy boats and we buy the side-by-sides because of those fun times and those memories that we, that we make. And it's worth it for us for that. And the short-term rentals allow us to continue to do that. So that, you know, it's, it's pretty fun. And so you, you, uh, you bought your property before you joined Vodacy, right? I did. Yeah. We closed August of uh, last year. Okay, nice. And so, so you found us and, and just thought, hey, listen, we're in the game. We're, we like the space. You know, what was what made you kind of get attracted to some of the things that we're doing and, and really taking it a little bit more serious, maybe as, as kind of this is the path you're going to use to build that retirement? Well, and, and there's there's, you know, a lot of different um, people doing different things in this space when it comes to coaching and education. 
And, you know, you, you've done a great job with your marketing because the things that I saw with your family going to different places and, you know, experiencing things together, um, that just aligned with what we were doing, which yeah. was, you know, it's, a, it's about our family first. And then, you know, it, it's a great model because then uh, we can also use it to make money. So as I, I dug into uh, what you were doing and, and how you were doing things and, and we just aligned and that's been my conversation with a lot of the, the, the Vodacy folks that I've connected with is uh, it, it's just a great place to be because y- you want to be around people that um, are, are aligned from a thought standpoint and then a direction standpoint. And I'm a big believer that we can do more together than we can apart. And, and that's, that's what I found through Vodacy. 100%. And, and I appreciate you saying that because I think you're hitting on a, a key point. None of us want to be on an island by ourselves, especially when we're doing something, you know, fairly serious, right? We're talking about acquiring these assets and, you know, and there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to them. You know, when you, you bought your property and you start to realize, okay, I got to pay attention to marketing. I got to pay attention to delivering this unique experience, all these different things. And, and then when you can surround yourself, whether it's this or anything else, of like-minded people following the same path, following the same blueprint, just kind of that abundance mindset of sharing, you know, their best practices and, and wrapping their arms around each other. It makes it a pretty fun journey, right? And so not only do we get to enjoy the process with our family, our direct family and, and friends, but we can surround ourselves with other people that are doing the same thing. And, you know, that path to success seems to kind of accelerate a little bit when you do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, sharing the good and the bad. So, yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to see some more of the mistakes that are made, uh, shared on the Facebook group. Cause yeah. I'd like to learn from those. I, yeah. I, I'm a big believer, learn from others, not, you know, experience oh. yourself. And yeah, let's so not, let's not try to be the one sharing it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I can it. share some things. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I can share, I can throw some things out there on, yeah. you know, maybe helping people avoid some mistakes. For sure. I think we all can. Anybody, anybody that's gone and gone down the road and that's the, that's the value of a group. It's like, okay, we're going to, you know, you share your best practices, but you also share the things, some of the things we wish we would have done different. In fact, while we're talking about that, are there things that are coming to mind? You know, some of the, maybe some of the compromises you had to make or, you know, the, the mistakes that you made, you wish you would have done differently. Yeah. And when I wouldn't even call them mistakes, I mean, you probably could have done them a better way. So, um, you know, you walk through a property and you just, you don't know what you don't know. And if we were to do it over again, there were things that I would know now that I didn't before. So, you know, we, we walked through the front door of this property and it's one of those that you can look all the way through to the back of the house and you just can tell there's something special out there. So, you know, you walk out on this deck and it's just, it's, uh, it's trees and it's hills and mountains and lake. And, you know, we were a little mesmerized by that. And I think it kind of blinded us to the fact that, Hey, there's about 50, $60,000 worth of work that's going to have to be dumped into this. And so, you know, it's those things that it, it it did cost us some money, but in the long run, it's going to be worth it. And if you look at it from a perspective of, is eating some of our cash, um, we we shouldn't do this, then you're going to miss out on the cash flow opportunity. So, you know, and, and that's kind of the one of the mindsets that's really um, helped me to take action is, 
the goal isn't the accumulation of cash. It's the accumulation of assets that produce cash flow on a monthly basis. So that makes it a little bit easier to swallow when you're having to spend money uh, is just understanding that you're investing in this business that you're setting up for the future. Right. So it's definitely a long game, right? You know, yeah. you do enjoy it in the short term. And a lot of those, a lot of those short-term benefits are the time that we get to spend that personal use, but they don't, these properties don't come out and make you a million dollars the first year or two, you know, they take a little bit of time, but then they can really produce after that. But it's, it's setting that up for the long term. To, just like you said, having that money, instead of sitting it in a bank where it's going down in value, you put it in an asset that can now grow, but also spit you off some returns, that cash flow. And, and, and you know, that, that's a great point right now, too, because these markets are so hot. They're white hot across the country right now. I mean, markets are, houses are going on the market and they're selling in hours many times. You got multiple people that you're bidding against. And so, I mean, that's, that just continues to, that those markets just continue to get more and more um, competitive and more and more and more demand, it seems, in a lot of these areas. And you have to be able to look at the long game. You have to be able to also understand all those moving parts. Like you mentioned before, you don't know what you don't know sometimes when you get into it. And you have to pretty much understand it when it's that, you know, you might it's like, okay, if I'm looking at a property, can I pay $100,000 over ask price and make this make sense? Do I know how to find the answer to that question? And then beyond that, beyond the acquisition, you know, do I know how to stand out in these crowded markets? There's all these different things that we have to be able to put together along the way and, and to ultimately turn it into that cash flow producing asset that we're all after. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's one thing that I've learned from my business and, you know, just growing a business and, and reaching levels of significance that you, you've got to be able to pivot. You have to know how to play the game. You have to know that uh, you, you, you've got to figure some things out. It, yeah. It's not just always going to fall in your lap and be perfect. We always want things to kind of fit in a box and be in a nice, nice tidy pack, tidy package and that's not always the case, but um, I think the important thing is you take calculated risk. You know, you know that that things are going to be okay, even if they don't start off that way. But um, and then just you know figuring out the the ways to to make the opportunity happen. So yeah. it may not be that you're going to be able to jump on Realtor.com and find the house, and then five days later be able to make an offer on it. Yeah, right. um, I had a Facebook post the other day about a property that we're under contract for and um, that property and the way that we came upon it opened up the door to uh, kind of some strategies to make connections with property managers. So property managers, a lot of times are going to find out first yep. that someone's thinking about uh, selling a home. So, yep. you know, if you can get properties off market, gosh, do, do what you can C develop a drip campaign with property managers yeah. that it, you, you got to think like a business owner. Um, if you want to scale. Yeah. We talk a lot about that in the course. I mean, that's, that's probably our number one source of off market properties and why we focus on building those relationships in those markets that we're going to be purchasing early on with those property managers, because they, they absolutely are a source of off market properties. They hear about their, 
the properties they're managing that are going to hit the market before, you know, before they do. And, and many times they're motivated to talk or to send them to the people who want, because they want to keep them in their portfolio. So if they've got somebody that's like, hey, we're interested in working with you, if you have anything else, and then they, they show them to us as a new buyer, we buy them, they keep them in their portfolio. It's a win-win all the way around. And so, yeah, there's, there's these short-term pivots, right? The long-term plan doesn't change. The long-term play of adding these assets to our portfolio, getting them producing, establishing them, and, and ultimately maturing the asset to maximize it to give us that cash flow, that doesn't change. But there's short-term pivots all along the way, whether it's on the acquisition side, whether it's on the management side or the marketing side that you have to pay attention to. And so those are those are the things in, in fact, so you, you just mentioned you're kind of, you're on your second property now, right? You're So you bought your first property back in August, a year ago, yes. August or, okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and you've had that, you've enjoyed that property. You're on your second one and you've done a few things different, right? You learn along the way and you're starting to do it a little bit, uh, some, some of the things a little bit different, which is fun because you start to build that confidence to now. And that's why I tell people, it's like that first one's the hardest. The second one will come, you know, in, in due time. And then it seems like, and then it seems to start really start to pick up steam and, and momentum as you kind of want to pick, as you want to build that portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. And I I wouldn't say that I would never buy a property again that hasn't performed as a short-term rental. Uh, But but the second one has a 10-year history as a short-term rental. And so, you know, what comes with that is is many, many advantages with with prior bookings and, and, you know, it's it's become people's annual um, ritual tradition uh, to come back to that property. Yeah. And then and then yesterday I get the email from the agent on hey we'll be writing you a check for $10,000 at closing for the deposits on the current bookings. Yeah. And then what we've added up for the current bookings, you've already got another $10,000 that'll be coming. So I I'll I'll be pursuing existing short-term rentals to to build my portfolio. Right. Well, you you recoup some of that some of that down payment money and some of your cost almost immediately, right? Because because there's already that stuff. You know, you don't have that full setup phase. And and existing short term rentals can be a great advantage. And they have pros and they have cons, like everything else, right? What if it's not producing? What if you find one that isn't set up the way that you want it, and you end up having to and you want to give an uplift to the property? But you know, so there's all those things you have to look at. It doesn't mean just because it's a short term rental, it's going to be the end all be all. But when you find a producing one that's doing well, and I mean, you can just, it's like you just, you, you hit the ground, hit the ground running. You there's, you save yourself six to nine months of this setup phase, which is awesome. And you recoup some of your immediate costs right away. So now all of a sudden that third property might be, you know, that much closer to the acquisition because this one's already going so well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so these two properties are the 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 tale of two different stories. The first one was we've sunk about eighty grand into it. Uh, we're we're still not live yet because now we're waiting for uh, it to be warm enough and dry enough to pour the new driveway that the excavator tore up when they were building the steps down to the lake uh, to this property. That yeah, we we were able to do some history on it and could see that it had, I I can't remember, I think it's like 85 star reviews um, and everything conveyed. Uh, That was another big deal. And and we did that with the first home, but we ended up replacing 75% of the junk. Yeah. But what's been in this home, the second home that's conveyed 
is the, the same thing that these people that, that have rented it out and given it far, five stars. So we know that we're not going to have to go in there and upgrade and replace because, I mean, we're, we're just transitioning from their name to our name. So nice. That's awesome. No, that's fun. And, and uh, we're excited to see that one come online as well. So that, so your second home might hit the market or it, I guess it already is on the market. It's going to hit before the first one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we close at the end of the month on the second one. So it may be right around the, the same, time. same time. So yeah. I'll, I'll be looking forward to stuff coming in instead of yeah, stuff going, going out. out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of now, can we, that might be a good transition to stuff going out is the loans. Uh, you know, that's what I really want to, to have people hear about. One of the things that I learned when I met you was I've always told people you can go and, you know, because short-term rentals, they're a unique animal, right? They're, they're, they're because of the personal use aspect to them, they qualify for a second home vacation loan, right? Which, which puts us into a, some significant advantages from a down payment standpoint and interest points or interest rate standpoint, because, you know, they're, they're going to be really favorable on both of those fronts for us as a buyer. But I always thought you were limited to one, maybe two, if you were lucky. And that's not the case anymore, right? Yeah. And, and we have to kind of change our mindset. It's not just wealthy people that can have multiple yeah. vacation homes. It, yeah. It's, you just have to learn, you have to know the secret. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you look at a lot of things and, and people that are successful or, or healthy, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, they've done well, they've achieved a, a certain level of success. You just think, well, they just know something that I don't. And sometimes that is the case. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, with this, you, you can have, you can even have two second homes within the same area. Um, so, you know, let's say someone buys that. And, and this is a scenario that we had recently they get into a, a ski area they, they like to visit. They decide to buy the condo. They, they, um, their, their entry point their, from a comfortability standpoint was the, the two-bedroom, one-bath condo. So they get into it. They've got two kids and realize pretty quick, and this, this is pretty tight. And then we can't have any family over. So um, they start looking at other opportunities and they find, and I like this phrase because people can get it bigger and better. So, you know, it's the, the okay. three bedroom, two bath or the three bedroom, two bath, and it's got a better view or it's ski in, ski out. Okay. It's something bigger and better. So the rationale that makes sense, the logic is, is that someone bought in a, an area they experienced for a while, which you typically want to be there for at least a year. And then an underwriter, if you were to buy bigger and better and you wanted to buy it as another second home would say, okay, that makes sense. They got there, they figured out they needed something bigger. It's better. We can do this one as a second home as well. So it would be the same thing, 10% down interest rates that are going to be equal to a primary residence. And this is all in terms of a conventional loan. So conforming loan limits. Okay. And the, the, so can you tell, tell, tell everybody what that means that might not yeah, be familiar? So, so they set loan limits for what Fannie and Freddie will do, who are the, the biggest investors in the United States for uh, buying residential mortgages. So they set the limits on maximum loan amount. And so this year for most areas, it's 548250 uh, for most areas where you're going to get, you can do the 10% down the interest rates. Now, there's also a way where you can go up to 
748250 uh, and, and there may be other options with other lenders, but internally, Gateway as a mortgage bank, we can originate uh, piggyback seconds, so purchase money seconds. Um, so people have probably heard of like 80-10-10s, so 80% on the first mortgage, 10% on the second, 10% down yeah. payment. So what this is, is you're meeting the conforming loan limit, and then we can do up to a $200,000 second. And then you could put 10% down. So there is a way that you could actually learn, you could loan, I'm sorry, you can almost borrow 750,000 and still do that same model. Because beyond that, you get into the jumbo space. The majority of what what is out there that's available is going to require 20% down. And um, they're going to ask for blood samples and hair samples and it, Jumbo jumbo process is a lot more intrusive and harder to achieve just because they're they're more conservative. So when you so if it's not jumbo and that has to do with the loan limit, not the purchase price. Is correct. That correct. Yeah. So so on a five forty eight loan limit, if you're going to put ten percent down, that's going to get you close to a six hundred thousand dollar house. Right. Right. Yeah. So you can and then if we do the second mortgage, we can we can raise that that to. The only difference is going to be, and this is is just an example, on the first mortgage, the 548250, that interest rate, let's say it was 3%, that 200,000, the interest rate is going to be more like 6%. Okay. So but blended, it's probably bringing it because it's a smaller amount, right? You're, you're probably blended still hitting yeah. less than four in that scenario, maybe. Yeah. And then just, you know, be aggressive, knock it out, whatever your model is, you may still cash flow and be happy with that. Um, so it, it looks different for different people, but it is a, a, a really good opportunity. So when you say, so if I'm looking and these are conforming loans and I'm in an area that I can purchase, can, you know, a, a, as a second home and what do the requirements look like? Is it similar to, uh, is it similar to a primary residence? Like, is it just, I mean, what about if you're self-employed or is there options for things like that? Or are these, are these pretty much full doc W2 type loans? Yeah, these are going to be your Fannie Freddie two year of self-employment history. Can't use short-term rental income unless you have a two-year history of it. Um, so yeah, fully qualifying, just like a primary residence. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so talk about the two-year history. So if I've if I've had a two-year history on a short-term rental, then they will consider that income that I'm making from that. So that would affect my debt to income, right? Even if it's a break-even property, if I've got it for two years and it's not making a ton of money, at least it reduces my debt to income, correct? Yeah, you potentially, you know, if, if you qualified and, and kind of were at the cusp of maxing out your debt to income ratio, you waited two years and it offset that liability, then you've made room for another one potentially yeah. with, with that history of that income. Nice. That's, and that's a big, that's a big, that's a key factor for a lot of people because eventually everybody, it doesn't really matter how much you make. Eventually, if you're having to qualify for every single loan, you're going to hit a limit where you can't get any more, right? It's going, you're going to be, you're going to hit a debt to income limit at some point. Yeah. And, and with Fannie and Freddie, you can have up to 10 mortgages in your individual name, but yeah, not, not everyone has unlimited disposable income to, you know, create those margins that you need. So, yeah. So, so go back, let's talk a little bit more about the, the bigger and better. So that applies to bigger and better in the same area. So if I'm, Mm -hmm. if I'm kind of, if I'm getting bigger and better in the same area, but so what if I, what if I buy in one area 
Can I qualify for another second home loan in another area that's not bigger and better maybe, but it's a totally separate area? Yep, absolutely. So how does that work? That's that's new to me. That And I, I learned this after meeting you, but I've always been told, no, sorry, you can't do that. You, 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 always, you have to only get one second home. Yeah, so it, it's you know, you get the ski place on the ski area, you get the place on the mountains, you get the place at the ocean. Um, they're, they're different areas. You're going to occupy them at different parts of the year. And it's all about occupancy. Uh, so yeah, my, my intention, my plan is, and Fanny says this, they, about two years ago, they, they knew people were buying these properties and then utilizing them as short-term rentals when they weren't using them. And, and they, they did what they, they consider catching up with the times. So they made it on the up and up and and they put policy around uh, what, what uh, is a second home and their policy is very wide open. It just says that you have to occupy it at some point during the year. So it's not a a specified amount of days. Um, You know, it's just to have control of that property throughout the year so you can't go into a, a property management agreement where they say, you know, you you have to make this property available for rent for at least, you know, 180 days or, yeah. you know, 300 days, whatever the case may be, which I've never talked to anyone that their 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 property management agreement included that. So that that's never an issue. Uh, but yeah, it, it's my intention is, is I'm, I'm by that beach house and during the summer, we're going to go there for two weeks and then I'll rent it out the rest of the time. Uh, then I'll go during ski season and go to my, my, my ski resort uh, house. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, that's exciting. I mean, that is, that's huge. I mean, and the fact that they are, that they are saying, okay, we're, we're catching up with the times. We know people do this and, 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 and it's not trying to, it's not trying to navigate the system or anything else like that. This product really fits well for what we're trying to do. Like, right. I, I define lifestyle assets as properties that are turnkey that we don't have to manage. We have a management company. It doesn't mean we turn over control. We still control it, but they manage it. Right. Properties are generating enough revenue to pay for themselves. And third, they have a personal use aspect. They're available for us to use. Right. And those, those criteria would fit into that second home product on the loan side, which is this is huge. And, and that where you touched on the occupancy, I think that's a critical thing that a lot of people, I hear numbers all the time um, from people that are saying, oh, my lender said we have to use it, you know, X amount of days a year or X percentage of time. And, and it's, it's great to get some clarification about that. And especially from the two biggest investors, the Fannie and Freddie, you know, because most things fall under those rules and those guidelines, right? Yeah. And Fannie is even so short-term rental friendly that uh, they have policy in place where if you've occupied the property, you've owned the property for at least a year, they'll let you hold title in the name of an LLC. So that that's yeah. how short-term rental friendly they are. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's the, 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 those are some big, big um, differences that we haven't seen in the past. A lot of a lot of things that are coming that are available, just showing that how popular this space really is becoming and how much in demand it is. And it's awesome to have these options because getting in with 10% down, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, and right. It's, you got to fit some parameters and everything else. You don't want people to over leverage properties any more than, you know, but they don't really, we haven't really seen that since the crash, right? People really aren't over leveraging 
and biting off more than they can chew because you have to still fit, or, you know, check off some criteria boxes with the underwriters and everything else. But this is, this opens up the opportunity and you hit on it before where one of my best friends, and he's been on the, the podcast as well. He's a member of our group and his name's Dave Savulich. And he was saying, I never thought I could actually own these properties. I don't have, you know, this allows me to get into this space. And exactly how he did it was that second home loan. He did the 10% down and wants, you know, is building more properties up right now. But um, I mean, that's a big deal because it allows kind of the everyday person to be able to get into this space when they have, when, you know, the, like you said, you have to be on the making ends meet. You have to be on, be beyond the month to month paycheck situation that we all started off in at some point, most of us. And, and, but you don't have to be this, you know, this big, you know, ultra wealthy. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not just for the rich and famous. Yeah. And, and um, so I think the other thing that goes along with that, and you, you had mentioned, you, you see a lot of people that talk about having to need 20% down. And the common thing that I've seen is that people in conversation, whether it's on Facebook or with friends or to a financial advisor, and maybe even talk to a lender, they'll talk about how they want to buy an investment property. So they'll look at this as an investment property, which it absolutely is. It's an investment vehicle, but they're using the wrong terminology around the wrong people. So you say investment property automatically, most people that have, maybe they've had experiences owning long-term rentals will say, well, yeah, you'll need 20% down and your interest rate will be higher. And they're, they're just getting misinformed because they, they're talking to people that don't have the right information. And that can include loan officers. Yeah. Uh, but you just have to be careful when you use that term investment property, especially when you're talking to a loan officer that might not necessarily know the space. Right. Yeah, 100%. And because that term means different things to different people, especially in your world where a loan officer, there is investment properties and there are investment products, right? There's, there's loans for investment properties. And as just a, as just an everyday guy that's buying one of these, yeah, this is an investment property to me. And like you said, they might not be as familiar with that. And so some misinformation comes not intentionally from either side, because from the loan officer side, they're like, oh, no, investment properties have these criteria and this, all these things, these boxes have to be checked. And that's a big difference in, in an investment property in your world, right? When, when we're talking about that stuff. And so, yeah, absolutely. And through, I mean, a couple of conversations that I've had recently, I've literally had to rewire people's brains. Yeah. Uh, to think in a different way about these properties. And and I love your, one of my favorite terms for these properties is lifestyle assets. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't call it an investment property, yeah. you know, call it a lifestyle inv- asset, uh, vacation home yeah. uh, that you're going to make money off of. Don't, yeah. don't, don't uh, call it an investment property around the wrong people. Yeah. No, and that's a, that's a good point. I'm glad you made that because some people listening to this will probably, we do refer to them as investment properties. I refer to them a lot of times as investment properties. Like, yeah, you know, I've got a, a portfolio of properties and, um, and you, if you're talking to the wrong person, that means something different, especially in, in your side of life, right? And, and See, Sean, you need, you need a t-shirt that says hashtag 
lifestyle asset. Lifestyle asset. I, hey, I'm trying to make t-shirts. I've got, I got some, <laughs> my t-shirts are coming. I'm going to be, uh, except for until, until then, I'm just going to rock your t-shirt. I like this. Yeah. You said yeah. The, build, the build legacy one. I've got, I'm going to make sure we, 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 uh, represent the build legacy. The, uh, appreciate it. Um, Awesome, Jeff. Well, listen, I, we could probably, is, is there, are there questions that I'm forgetting to ask on this side of life that you wish people would know? Are there things on the, the loan side? We, you've got your website and guys, it's 10% down and it's spelled out 10% down. You got to go check it out. And you can, it, it, you know, you're going to have the opportunity if you're in this space to talk to Jeff and his team and uh, see, see what they can do to help you. But it's got a lot of great information on there, but is there, is there things that, that, I'm not asking or that I'm forgetting to that we should be, that we should be uh, kind of making people aware of right now. No, you were pretty comprehensive. You know, we, we uh, got to touch on some of the, the common barriers that keep people from moving forward, taking action or even thinking bigger. So, you know, the, the common conversation uh, or, or conversation that I have on a, a pretty regular basis is once they learn this information and they haven't taken action now, now it's, it's okay. We were just thinking about buying one. Yeah. Now that, that we just need 10% down, we had 20% saved. Hey, let's go buy two. So, you know, we're, we're having these opportunities where we're, we're, uh, we're, we're generating some bigger thought yeah. uh, around this, this idea and this vehicle. And sometimes that's what we need, right? We need to be able to sometimes just in our heads, change this paradigm of what we thought we had to, that what we, these barriers that we put on ourselves of, okay, I have to do this, this, and this. And that's what, this is, this is really exciting in our space and what we're doing. And, and I'm sure this is going to be one of our most popular episodes of people, you know, just getting a lot out of it. And, and just, just that one little thing, like you said, thinking that you have to have the 20% down, which, which that's a big difference, 10 to 20, that's double the amount of money you need to get into a space. And when you can, if, if your market, you know, the prices in your market work to be in the conforming or maybe even a little bit above, and you can take advantage of this program, man, it's huge. I mean, I know for us, and like you said, like Dave, I was just telling you about, he's, he's that same conversation you were just mentioning of saying, man, I thought I, I thought I had to have so much more and I can think a little bit bigger and, and start to build that portfolio out, which is really, really exciting. You know, you don't have to have a portfolio of a hundred properties. I always tell people a handful of properties can make a big difference in somebody's life and the, their financial future down the line. And so it, that's a, that's a big deal. And I always tell people that the name of the game is to get that asset starting to mature as soon as possible, right? The best time to buy was yesterday. The next best time is today. Well, one of the yeah. barriers to entry is the amount of money we need. And so that 10% down is huge. And so yeah. I'm really excited for people to know that that's, that's available for more than just one property. I was, you know, up until two months ago, I thought that you had, you can only get one of those properties, maybe two, because that's what I had been told by some of the loan officers I was using. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that, that's been a, an exciting opportunity. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the things that I would encourage uh, those that are listening that if, if you're kind of deflated and defeated about the markets and, just how hot things are, reach out to me because I've got some strategies to help our clients win in multiple offer situations. And, yeah. you know, that when we talk about pivoting in, in different markets and you've got to figure out ways to, to win. I mean, for me, I make a living on closed loans. Yeah. So, 
you know, I, I've got to help my clients get into contracts. And so we figured out some ways that, that we can help our clients uh, be staged for success, but then also stand out in the crowd once that offer is made. So if, if anybody's in that position, please reach out to me. I'd, I'd be more than happy to share what we're doing. Even if you're not using me for the loan, I, I, I like to help people win. Yeah, that's um, I, I love that you brought that up, actually, because that is a big frustration in these markets right now. And guys, I know what some of the things that Jeff is doing to help those, his clients stand out in these crowded markets when, you know, when the seller's looking at 10 offers and they're competing, how to stand out with some of the stuff that and some of the things that he's able to do in his team. And it, it really does work. I've seen it work. I've seen exactly what he's doing. We've done it for a long time. Some of the things that he that he's going to help you with. And so absolutely take advantage of that imitation you just got because these markets are tough. And when you are in that acquisition phase, if you, you know, it, it, every little thing that you can do to stack the, the deck in your favor helps and ultimately to be able to purchase that property. So that, that, that's a great imitation for people to take advantage of. Well, I love my little graphic that I posted on the Facebook page the other day. I, I never said it was going to be easy, but it'll be good. So some people think that if if everything is not falling into place perfectly, then it it, it wasn't meant to be. And that's not always the case. No. Some some of the best places that you get to come by resistance. 100%. Um, so yeah, just, just because you're having to o- offer over list price or you're having to fight through uh, multiple offers doesn't mean that you weren't supposed to do it. You know, if it, if it makes sense and, and you think your family's going to enjoy it, you should do everything that you can to get there. Right. I, I love that. And that's where we'll, we'll kind of wrap up on that thought too, because it's such a, I like one of my favorite songs is hard days with Brantley Gilbert. And it talks about if you didn't have the hard days, if you didn't have that strength behind, you know, you wouldn't appreciate the good times. And you learn so much. One of the things I just, I heard a story about the, the biosphere. Remember when they built the biosphere in the desert and out in the where, and, and they had the, the perfect environment for everything growing in there, all the flora in, in there growing with the soil and the, and the oxygen and the, everything with the water was purified. Every, they had this perfect environment, everything grew. And they found that the trees would grow to a certain point and they would fall down and they couldn't figure it out. Well, the, what they figured out was there was no wind. And so there was no resistance on these trees, right? And it was what a, I mean, it just goes through, I, I just relate to that so much. Like if you don't have the resistance to strengthen you and make you stronger, you know, their, their roots grew deeper and their bark grew thicker and everything else, if they didn't have that wind, they just tipped over. And so, yeah, the easy path is not always the best path. You know, sometimes when things are hard, you're going to appreciate it more. You're going to learn more from it and you just got to persevere with it. And, and it makes it that much better down the line. And so, and, and that much more worth it down the line. So that's a great, a great thought to end with for sure. Jeff, anything else that you want to uh, to tell people? Guys, we're going to put the 10% down in the show notes. And, and again, his website is 10percentdown.com. And, and you can go there, connect with Jeff and his team. And I highly suggest you do so. Um, I, I think it's it's an invaluable resource as you start to run down this road. And really one of the first steps you should be taking before you start to really j- dive into the game, right? To understand really where you're at with the finances. And so- Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the last thing that I would say, and, and it's one of the biggest things that 
we've taken away from this process and the the direction that we've decided to go in investing in short-term rental is, you know, you can be in the stock market, you can have money in long-term funds, your 401k, your kids never see that. They, they don't get excited about, hey, let me tell you about this mutual fund that, that uh, we've got money in. But they see that their parents taking action and taking risk and, you know, putting hard work into things and, uh, you know, then ultimately being able to enjoy them and then also share how you're using these to make money. Uh, it, it's just you're, you're, you're creating that legacy. You're building that legacy of you want to achieve significant things you've got to put yourself in a position to take action and, and take risk. And, and uh, that's been fun because, you know, I, I, I think that our, our children are, are, they're always watching us. They're, 100%. they're a product of their parents a lot of times. And yeah. I want that to be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. We want, we want to stack the deck in their favor, right? And yeah. teach them some of those things. And so true. I mean, it's just that we're, we're so fortunate to be able to do this and surround ourselves with people that, that are doing this and making things happen and taking action. And, uh, you know, and the number one reason I started it, um, for anybody who's heard my kind of origin story of why I started this was my kids. You know, I wanted that. I wanted to be that example of something though, that was interesting enough that they could, that they would, that would hold their attention and they could learn from. Right. And, and this is one of those asset classes that is unique in that aspect. And, and it's just a lot of fun. And, and you know, it, 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 there's so many benefits all the way around of it. And so, guys, we sure, Jeff, I mean, just appreciate you being and taking your time and being here and, and making that invitation for people to reach out to you. Guys, I highly suggest you do it, uh, whether you're a part of our group or just a listener. Take advantage of reaching out to Jeff and his team. They're well equipped to, to handle all of your questions and, and really help you stand out in these markets and take advantage of that 10% down stuff. I mean, it's, uh, I know we are, I know we're looking into it really heavy right now. Um, we're, we're in that acquisition phase and you guys, the listeners, we always appreciate you and love you. We, you know, you guys are the best part of the show and make it so fun that we can come out and have these great conversations and share this kind of this, our world with every, with all of you. And so we'll be back same time, same place next week. Until then, go subscribe, leave us a review, share it with somebody. If you got some stuff out of this, if somebody's looking for that loan, go share that 10% down with them as well. And then we'll plan on chatting with you guys all next week. Cheers. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodicey.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.